God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. How great name above all names, worthy of all praise. And all will see how great is our God. God who called 
give you a little bit of background on my brother if uh, you don't mind uh, some of you know him very well some of you don't I can tell you this if you met him you would know him what you saw is what you got there was nothing phony about my brother at all and I appreciate that about him uh, he was 77 when the Lord called him home on September 1st he was at Ocean Medical Center up in Brick he was born, like I think, three-quarters of Ocean County in Jersey City. Was formerly of Lavalette before move, moving to Forked River in 1997. He was a sergeant of the Lavalette Police Department, retiring in 2003. He served 31 years. He was a valued member of this church he enjoyed traveling with Gloria. They were cross country, I think, three times, correct? From the Atlantic to uh, Pacific. And he survived, of course, by Gloria. Uh, they've been married for 49 years. Two sons, Mark uh, and his wife, Wendy. Andre and his wife, Clarissa. Four grandchildren, Justine, Jason, um, Alexa, Catherine, two great-grandchildren, Nikki and Salvador, Salvatore, uh, and of course myself, Reverend Dr. Lou Saldaveri, and my wife, Mary Lou, and his nephew, uh, Joseph, and his wife, Melissa, who was singing up here, and his great-nephew, Caleb, who's at the soundboard, and his great-niece, Naomi, who you'll see dancing around here probably in a little bit. Uh, Tony is survived by many loving family and friends, and, and this is a celebration of his life. Uh, I can tell you this, uh, he was seven years older than me, and growing up, I, I let him know that. <laughs> and the reason why I tormented him, I have to be honest with you, I used to, you know, we, we fought like brothers, and um, because I was so little and he was so big, 
he always got the blame because my mother would say to him, you should know better. You should know better. So here's what I used to do. I used to kick him in the shins. It's true. And hide in the bathroom. Not realizing that I had to come out one day and he'd be waiting for me. When he started to uh, have a social life in high school, I never left him alone. And he didn't like that. But I'll tell you, I would never trade him as a brother. He was a good brother. He was a great husband. He was a great stepfather. He was a great police officer. The best I ever worked with. Because I used to work with him in the summertime on the police force. His bark was worse than his bite, if I could put it that way. And he would, he's the type where he would give you the shirt off his back if he could help you. He had a great influence here at the church. He uh, ministered to some of your, our young people here. Um, he was always, always concerned about this ministry. But he was more concerned about his family. His family was his world. Gloria was his world. And his family meant a lot to him. Even though uh, you heard me say they were stepchildren and all, he treated them like his own. And he loved them like his own. He used to brag about them all the time. And he was proud of, of each one. He was so fair-minded. He was opinionated, but he was so fair-minded that the police had made him the officer of internal affairs for I don't know how many years, but a long time. And so he was well-respected. And by your presence here, you're showing respect for a great man. He was a person of integrity. He was honest, and he had this little smile that he would crack every once in a while when he really liked something. He was my brother. We all will miss him. I used to kid him, um, you know, whenever we uh, uh, would be together and we'd introduce, uh, people be introduced to us, I, I would always say I was, the, I was the brother with more hair. And that, you know, you don't say that, especially when somebody carries a gun, you know? <laughs> um, and, and, and he'd let me know about it. But um, I often told him the reason why he went bald well before I started losing my hair was because he was too smart and his wisdom. We'd be watching trivia shows. He'd come up with answers we don't even know how he came up with, right? He was a student of the Word of God. He tested everything I say by the Word of God, which is what you all should do. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. He was a great man. 
I, uh, I have some scriptures that I would like to read. They'll be up on the, uh, the screen. So Caleb, if you can help me uh, put the first one up. This one is probably the most well-known besides uh, Psalm 23. And this comes from the Gospel of John. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him uh, shall not perish but have eternal life. My brother's enjoying that right now. Next. This is from Paul, the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That's me. That's you too. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Next one, Kayla. This is from uh, the Gospel of John again. In the 14th chapter, Jesus saying to his disciples, this is right before he went to the cross. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you that I am going to uh, there to pre prepare a place for you. Next one. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the way to go. Uh, I'm sorry. You know the way to the place where I am going. And Thomas said, to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus responded, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And one last one. From his favorite book in the Bible, the book of Revelation. And again, this is the Apostle John who was sentenced to Patmos for the rest of his life because he was a pastor sharing the gospel. And in his vision that Jesus gave him of the end times, this is what John records. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming out of the heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will, be no, there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. The old order of things has passed away. Those are some of his favorite scriptures. And he cherished them. He lived them. Would you join me in prayer, please? Father, because of the person and work of Jesus Christ, 
We know that the grave is not the end. Our Lord was resurrected three days later. And Father, at the cross, our great Savior conquered sin, Satan, and death. We rest in the sure promise that those who trust in Christ as their Lord and Savior are received into heaven the moment they close their eyes on this earth and open them up to see their Savior in heaven. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would bring comfort to uh, those of us today who mourn, bring not only comfort, but help us to have memories um, that uh, are good and hold, that we can hold on to, and that we can share with our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, for the life of Anthony was remarkable, and that's only because of you. So, Father, I pray that this service honors you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to open up the microphone for sharing. If anybody wants to come up and share, I know. Let me start with uh, Anita, right? Where's Anita? Why don't you come up? Anita is a councilwoman. Council President in Lavalette, where my brother served for th over 30 years. Yes. And our, I'm here on behalf of Wally LeCicero, who's the mayor of Lavalette. And he, he was so uns uh, upset that he couldn't be here today. But borough business took him away from the day, so he asked me, please, to come and say these words for him. And uh, I was pleased because I lived across the street from Gloria and t and Tony for so long and I remembered them well well so I was very glad to be here today and he wanted me to share these words with you the borough Lavalette will miss him very much always and keep him in their hearts I met Tony in 1077 wait no in 1977 well <laughs> <phew>. <laughs> no wonder they both be very old <laughs> I, I met Tony in 1977 when I joined the Lavalette Police Department as a dispatcher as a patrolman, I continued to work side by side with him until his retirement in 2003. Tony was my supervisor, my mentor, my partner, and my friend. He taught me much about what it means to be a police officer. He taught me about decorum and discipline and how to appropriately deal, deal with the public. Tony had an outstanding reputation in the law enforcement community but he was also well recognized by the public. His shaved head, barred, barred chest, and tattoos made him immediately identifiable. People on the wrong side of the law feared him, and honorable people in respected him, but all knew him. Most of the public did not know his name, but referred to him as Kojak. Kojak, Kojak. And when that name was spoken, all knew to whom it referred. This was not a derogatory, not, 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 but instead the label of a legend. 
Tony was always a gentleman and a gentleman. His image belied his big heart. In 1979, Tony began a program in Lavalette known as Operation Reassurance. Elderly people in the community would call in every day to report their status. Any member of the program who failed to call would immediately get a visit from a police officer to ensure they were okay. This program is credited with having saved many lives in Lavalette, and it is still in effect today, some 44 years later, and continues to save lives. My grandmother was the first person Tony signed up for the first program, and she received many a call, many a visit, as her health deteriorated. Although I have not had much communication with Tony since his retirement, he was never far from my mind and whenever I talk to either retired members of our retired department, his name always comes up. As I spread the news of Tony's passing, every member of our department, sorry, every member of our department was saddened by the news. No one had a bad thing to say, and no one ever will. While Tony is no longer with us, his legend lives on. May he rest in peace. Thank you. Sorry. Thank you. Would anybody else like to come up and share? Mark? Should never give a microphone to a Philadelphia lawyer. Um, <laughs> So uh, I'm Mark, uh, I'm the oldest son, um, his stepson for, for 40, uh, well, we, they were married for 49 years. And uh, I always remembered the year they were married, which would mean something to some people here, because it was 1973. What happened in 1973? It was the year The Godfather was released. It was also the last movie that my mother and Anthony went through, okay? <laughs> uh, so uh, that was how I always remember him. And through the intricacies of life, I ended up with uh, two fathers. I lost my father a while back. I didn't expect to frankly lose my stepfather for a while. No one did. Um, and my kids ended up with three grandfathers. And frankly, they were all different. And there are representatives of the family here. And uh, all of my kids had the benefit of a relationship with each of their grandfathers. But I think that they spent, for a lot of reasons, the most amount of time with my stepdad. My son, uh, Jason, is 8,100 miles away on a destroyer, the USS Barry, a guided missile destroyer. But he called in when he had service a couple of times. He had, he had, his destroyer was in Guam. And I knew that Anthony was sick when he called twice for his grandfather. And my mother said he couldn't take the call. Now, he always took, and you can see my, my son here on his grandfather's head. 
And as they got older, um, they got closer, particularly for my son's love of alcohol, beer, <laughs> and anything else that Anthony would serve. And he always made sure that he had plenty there for when his grandson came. And like my grandmother, was always a giant steak waiting for him or something else. But he had a good relationship with all of his grandkids. Um, so that was kind of the turning point for me. When my mother told me, he, he didn't take the call twice. And then I started to talk to Louie, and we talked a lot. Because Louie and I go back a long way, too. But Louie said something about his brother, which is true. Very opinionated. Okay. Well two things before we get to that. So he was a police officer for a long time. I started my career, like other people here, as a prosecutor. So I had the benefit of kind of knowing a lot of police, good police, bad police, somewhere in between. And I come from Philadelphia. He was a good cop. He was a good cop. He scared the, sh sorry, the hell out of people, okay? <laughs> But that was his shtick. That was one of the things I always remember. The other thing, and this is from a Lavalette person, Lavalette, if you've never been there, is an interesting little community. But in the summertime, alleged mobsters would sometimes go through uh, Lavalette. They probably still do. In fact, Joe Pesci had a place there for a while. And Anthony would always share stories of when he was, he was called to a party and there was a great one I remember, and there was an alleged mobster, no longer with us, God rest his soul. But there was a problem there, and Anthony was called, but both the mob and Anthony made sure it was de-escalated immediately in a very appropriate manner. And I always remember that story because it was great. But I guess on the thing that I was thinking about most is politically we didn't have a single thing in common. I'm sorry I'm a Democrat. Um, I, I understand. But here's, here's the benefit, though. Of all the years we were together, we never let that get in the way. And I always said to myself, if every family in America could just sit down and talk about it. And I have to tell you the same with my Uncle Peter, okay? It was never a shrill word. We would kid with each other. I mean, Anthony would say, I can get you a good deal on a MAGA hat. And I, and, and I would say, I could get you a Hope and Dream t-shirt, okay? You know, so we had fun with that. But I mean, I, we never got to a point, once in a while we'd both bite each other's lip, lip we'd move on and talk about something else. Um, I was proud of him. I think he was proud that I was a good lawyer. Um, so... Anyway, that's all I have to say. That is good. Thank you. Andre, come on up. I'm gonna I'm gonna give another lawyer a microphone. Sure. Okay, I just hold it up like this. Okay. I'm recording. Oh, you're recording. No, I do. You did give us that disclaimer. You were recording. <laughs> um, of course, if you don't know me, a lot of you do know me. A lot of you don't. In fact, I remember, Anita, I remember you used to live across the street from us when I think I was like a high school student. I'm 62 years old, so that's how far that, that goes. But um, basically following up, my brother said, um, the one thing I have to say, uh, if you don't know me, Andre, I'm the younger stepson, is that 
Anthony at all times was a protector, provider, and dutiful husband of my, my mother. And I mean, for 50 years, um, Anthony and I knew you as Louie then, we all lived in the same house. You were a Rutgers yeah. undergraduate and we used to play ball in the back. Pastor Lou, we go back more than 50 years. Um, and particularly in this last year, while my mother was recovering from a stroke, and then of course, another setback, um, breaking her arm, I remember all last summer, you know, not knowing what was happening with my mother, on the phone with Anthony, on the phone with Pastor Lou, coordinating one week in visit, coming down from Philadelphia, you know, we'll go in, you go in, back and forth, what do you need? We were concerned because he wasn't eating as much and he was concerned about uh, my mother and the rest of the family. And kind of what like Pastor Lou said, that Anthony had so many titles, including being a son, I remember your parents died when you guys were both very young, and a uh, brother, a uncle, a great uncle, a stepdad, a grandpa, a great grandpa, a retired police sergeant. And the one thing that you had to know about Anthony, and a lot of you knew Anthony, was that he always had your back, regardless. Even if you disagreed on stuff, um, he would always basically say, is there something you need? And it's, and it's a funny story because when Anthony was getting sick, my daughter Catherine, who goes to University of Pittsburgh, so she's 300 miles away, I remember when I dropped her off the first year, I said, well, you know, if there's any problem, you can contact Uncle Mark. They have an office in Pittsburgh. You can text me. You can text your mother. He goes, yeah, yeah, but by the time I do all that, he goes, um, I'll just call Grandpa. He'll be loaded in the car in six hours, locked and loaded, and ready for the situation. I said, well, we don't have to get to that situation. But he said, no, no, I'll just call. And he always was with his grandchildren. Basically, whatever it was, you know, whatever he needed, um, he just said, just call. He was worried from all the grandkids. He was worried about my dog. He was worried about everything that would go on because he always, the theme was, he always had your back, regardless. Whatever you need. If it, was, if it was an issue, do you need something? Do you have enough? Is there something? How many times over the years, my wife and I, we needed something, somebody needed a day surgery. My mother and Anthony would load in the car, you know. I would say, if it's gonna be 4.30, it doesn't matter. 4.30 in the morning, there they were, showing up, you know. I mean, on a lighter note, and, and you would know this, Pastor Lou, is Anthony really enjoyed coffee. Yep. Maybe towards the end, it was coffee, 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 uh, mystery movies, he could watch those Perry Mason reruns over and over again, just finding a different angle, you know. Perry always won, okay? So maybe one time he didn't. Um, and he liked spicy food, and I remember he would come to Philadelphia, and we'd go for different various uh, Indian or whatever kind of food that was something he was interested in. But, you know, they say in life that you, you make plans, and plans don't always go as planned. Um, we have a plan. God has a plan. I didn't plan that today I'd be here talking about Anthony when he's not here with us, but um, I mean, Godspeed, Anthony. Thank you. Would anybody else like to come up and share? Don't be bashful. Carl? Don't trip. We got too many lawyers around for that. <laughs> I have to take a chance to say how much I love Tony because 
when I was dying in the hospital up in Riverview, he was one of the guys that called me and said, never give up, never give up. He was a great American. He loved this country. He loved his brother. And for somebody to tell you that he loves his brother is really good because I can't say that about mine, but that's something else. <laughs> but um, I want to say that his love of God, when he sat here in the fr almost in the front row, he would always shake my hand when I was leaving and say, take care of yourself. And that's good words for all of us. You have to take care of yourself because if you don't, nobody else will but God. I'm mad at Tony today because he beat me to the other side. And I wish I could have gone first. I'll always remember him. I'll always love him. And he loved Javier. He loved that guy. In fact, Javier, I want to tell you, you need to be a preacher, brother. Because he loved him. He knew he loved cars. And um, I, I just can't say enough that we'll all miss him. And he'll always be in my prayers. I had the honor of baptizing uh, Javier uh, two weeks ago. And I said to him, my brother would have been very proud of him. It was a step of faith that he made and uh, he would have been very proud. Anyone else want to come up? Tommy? I can't say no to this guy, he's twice my size. Uh, my, uh, my father was an Elizabeth police officer for 25 years. And when I first came to this church, uh, Tony just took me in. Because I, I don't, when you're a cop's son, you're a cop's son to every cop. Like, he was awesome. So he says to me one day, he's like, follow me and Gloria back to the house. I got something for you. You know, so I was like, okay, I'm following him. I couldn't keep up with him. He was, <laughs> he was driving these back streets, sorry, officer. So fast that I was trying to keep up with him. I'm like, I think I'm going to get the ticket. This guy ain't going to get no ticket. He's got a badge, you know. But he was just a great guy, and uh, even even this summer uh, we had our uh, church picnic, and I made sure they didn't have nothing. They I sat them down, him and Gloria. I made sure they had hot dogs, hamburgers, drinks, whatever they wanted. They didn't even have to get up. This is how much respect we have for this man. God bless him. Thank you, Doc. Doc. I know. So uh, I came to this church in 2013, and of course, uh, we're almost coming up to the 10 year anniversary here in, in terms of knowing uh, Tony. Uh, but there was always something compelling about him to me. Uh, and Gloria, you know, I would go over to the house and spill my guts, you know, with the trials and the tribulations. And, you know, uh, he had a certain kind of a wisdom, a quiet wisdom about him that was really, I thought, extraordinary. Uh, and basically, um, he would say to me, he would listen to my story, he wouldn't say a word, you know, you were there every time, and then he would say as I was walking out, uh, you gotta leave, it at the gotta leave it at the foot of the cross, Doc. You gotta leave it at the foot of the cross. Those words helped me so much, so that now, we leave him at the foot of the cross, and that's where he is. He is with Jesus now. And basically, as it says in Ecclesiastes, Pastor, you know this well, uh, you know, the birth is pain. 
It's the death that's joy. It's the other way around from what the secular community feels. So that's all I got to say, folks. But we will miss him. I will miss him tremendously. The last thing he said to me was that I don't know what God has in mind. It's the last words he said to me. Um, and we know where he is now. That's right. Thank you. Thanks, Dad. Anyone else uh, want to come up? I don't want to cut anything short. No? Okay. He was a great man. How can I uh, say this? Um, I, re I resonated with what everybody said, but you know, I remember I told you earlier we used to fight like cats and dogs, right? If anybody insulted me, they would reg regret it. He had my back. He had my back. And so, as we continue with the service, I, I would like to share just one of uh, his favorite songs too. It's called Worthy is the Lamb. And, and this song talks about the cross. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you paid. Bearing all my sin and shame. Would you listen to these words if you want? Would you sing to them? I'm going to ask Melissa and Chip to come up. And then um, I just have a few more words for you. And then we're going to, sorry, Mark, close with some music. <laughs> Darling of heaven, cruise. 
the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you paid, bearing all my sin and shame. In love you came and gave amazing grace. Thank you for this love, Lord. Thank you for the name. Cleansing flow, now all I know, your forgiveness and embrace, worthy is the Lamb, seated on the throne, crown you now with many crowns, the rain my brother put his uniform on he was willing to lay down his life to protect others to serve others there were a couple of times he could have lost his life but he did it gladly not because you and I deserve it because that was his duty and he took it seriously I told you I was going to talk to you about the word grace. Grace in the uh, Bible, in, in the New Testament, the Greek word is charis. Am I right? <laughs> Thank you. Charis. And what it means in the Greek is someone extending favor that you don't deserve. That's what it means. You see, I, I guess, I don't even know when, when it was because my mind is kind of foggy, but um, I, I, it was many years ago. In fact, it was at um, Gloria's dad's funeral that the gospel was proclaimed because Gloria's dad was a Christ follower. And after that uh, service, my brother asked me to go to the lounge with him and he said, do you believe all this stuff? I said, I bet my life on it. I was a first year seminarian back then. That's how long ago it was. And I said, I bet my life on it. Sure, I believe it. And he says, you mean to tell me that no matter what anybody does, if they come to a point 
where they they believe personally that Jesus went to the cross to pay the penalty for their sin, they would go to heaven. I said, I believe that with all my heart. And he said to me, I can't buy it. Some of, the mo some of the most difficult people I have had to work with over my years of ministry have been police officers. And the reason for that is because they always see the dark side of life. They see people at their worst. But you know, God sees us at our worst. Bible says every one of us is born a rebel against God. Every one of us. Bible calls that sin, by the way. Every one of us. But in the passage I, re I read for you before, where Paul says, even a good man might not die for someone else, but a righteous man might die for another man. My brother was willing to sacrifice his life for people who probably didn't deserve it. When Jesus went to that cross, he sacrificed his life for people who don't deserve it. Paul says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's grace. We didn't deserve that. The Bible says, and don't throw anything at me, the Bible says that because we're sinners, we all deserve hell. And one of the other things that I talked to my brother about that night was this whole issue of belief. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever should believe, believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We have a little bit of a cultural gap here because the, wor the word believe, pistos, right, doesn't mean just intellectually. It means to believe with your heart, mind, and soul. You believe with your whole person. Do you remember years ago there was a, uh, I can't remember the, the man's name, but he, he walked across Niagara Falls on a tightrope. All right, I didn't know this story. It was a daredevil, I can't remember his name. But he had, you know, he had crowds on both sides, right? And he walked over, no problem. He told the crowd he's gonna walk back. Do you believe he can do that? Yeah, and they were cheering him on. Then he had a wheelbarrow. And he says, I'll take the wheelbarrow over to the other side. Do you think I could do it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can do it. Okay. And he did it. When he got over to the other side, people were clapping him, patting him on the back. And he said, I bet you I can take a person in a wheelbarrow across. Do you think I could do it? Do you believe I can do it? Nobody answered. <laughs> no one answered. This whole idea of belief is very simple. When the Bible talks about belief, it, it talks about childlike belief. It talks about believing with your whole heart, mind, and soul. 
my brother embraced Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, and I know Angelo had a part in that some years ago. And when the Holy Spirit indwelled him, which is what happens when we just by faith believe what Jesus Christ in us, not by works, by the way, by faith alone. God gave him an incredible hunger for the scriptures. Incredible. In fact, I took a picture of his Bible right beside his chair, and that was scrolling before. He loved the book of Revelation. God spoke to him through that. He loved watching other preachers like David Jeremiah. And um, I can't remember, <laughs> right, no offense. But uh, he, he liked some other preachers. But you know, and these are good guys. I mean, if David Jeremiah were here, I'd let him take the pulpit with no questions. And how good my brother was, he says, I like the way you preach better. I said, you gotta be kidding me. He says, no, I, I, I really do. My brother would come home from church and test everything I said by the scriptures to make sure it was true. He embraced the word of God, the entire Bible. We come to the Bible sometimes almost as a good luck charm. We come to it when we're in trouble. We come to it almost seeing, you know, when we need comfort in, in time of stress. But my brother and Gloria knew that the Bible was our final authority for the way we should live and love Christ. That's what made my brother so remarkable. He was a good cop, no question. He was a great husband, no question. But he loved Jesus. And that's why we know he, he's in heaven. I started to notice a change because when he was still working, he told me that he stopped a car at night for speeding on Route 35. And when he approached the, the car and he saw who was in the car, there were five ladies in the car, but they happened to be nuns. <laughs> and they were speeding pretty good. <laughs> Maybe they wanted to meet their maker a little sooner, I don't, I don't know. But they were speeding, you know, at a pretty good rate. And my brother went and, you know, the window came down. And he says, ah, sister, would you please slow down? And then he says to me, I didn't have the heart to give him a ticket. <laughs> See, God's in the business of changing hearts, changing people from the inside out. That's grace. We don't deserve it. Just one more thing. Well, two more things. You give a preacher a mic. You have to. Uh, you have to be ready for it. The w we talked about the word believe. It's the same word as faith. It's translated the same way. And. Every one of you exercises faith every day. Every one of you. Those of you who drove for hours, you should come on the turnpike. 
Oh, no, you came different way? Well, those of you who drove for hours, you had faith your car was going to get you from one place to another. At least I hope you did, right? You have faith when you come to a stop sign, you press on the brake, it's going to stop. You exercise great faith when you go to a doctor and he writes out a prescription. You have faith that the doctor is going to know the correct medicine to give you, that it would help you win in that situation. But you bring that to a pharmacist you don't even know. And you have great faith that they're going to put the right medicine in the right jar. You get on airplanes to travel. You have great faith that the pilot knows how to fly. Isn't that true? You have great faith that the airplane is in good working order. I know what that's like. I love flying, by the way. My brother didn't. But I love, I love flying. And um, in fact, we went to Denver for a pastor's conference years ago. And my wife had her hand on mine. And as we're making an approach through turbulence, the nails started to dig in deeper and deeper. And then the pilot got on, the captain, and he says, uh, stewardesses, brace, uh, uh, prepare your passengers for a hard landing. At that, my wife turned and just grabbed me by the shirt and said, what does that mean? I said, relax, it's a crosswind. They, they know what they're doing. And we came in, and of course, when, when plane comes in, it has to turn a little bit into the crosswind, and then it straightens itself out on the runway. So she's looking out the window, and she's saying, we're going to miss the runway. I said, no, we're not. We're fine. <laughs> fine. Relax. We're fine. I knew the pilot wanted to get there alive. So do we. You exercise faith every day. Here's what my brother would, would like me to tell you to consider. Please consider this. Airplanes will fail. Doctors will misdiagnose. Pharmacists make mistakes. But Jesus doesn't. He doesn't. My brother knows that. When my brother closed his eyes on this earth, he opened them to see his Savior. And not because he was a good guy. He was. But that's not why. Because at one point in time, he put his trust and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who went for him on the cross to pay the penalty for his sin. That's why he's in heaven. There's an author, uh, Josh McDowell. He was a pre-law student, as a matter of fact. And he was in his senior year of pre-law. Uh, and uh, one of his uh, professors gave him an assignment because they had to do a senior thesis. Uh, and the assignment was simple. Josh McDowell was an agnostic. You know what an agnostic is? Not an, an agnostic believes that there, there might be a God, 
but he's not concerned with us. He kind of wound up the universe and, and just let it go. So the, the professor says, here's your job, Josh. Here's your project. I want you to take the Bible and all the historical data and prove Jesus was a fraud. He gladly took it on. Thought it was going to be easy. In the middle of the project, he found out that he couldn't do it. First of all, all the prophecies of the Old Testament came true in Jesus Christ. Second of all, all his claims were, were right. And third of all, the resurrection is one of the most documented events in the world. This agnostic ended up putting his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and has had a ministry ever since. If my brother were physically here today, he would want me to say to you, would you please consider this? Would you please consider this? Jesus loves you. He died for you on the cross. Would you embrace him by faith, knowing he went in your place to pay a penalty you deserve? Well, what's that penalty? That penalty, the Bible is very blunt about. That penalty is, um, without Christ, we are to spend eternity in a place called hell. If you don't believe hell is real or heaven is real, I feel sorry for you. Because when the time that our expiration date comes, we're going to find out that the Bible is true. We met a, a, a woman that we see her around town, uh, my wife and I, and we were talking about things of the Bible and all, and she made this comment. She said, you know, we, n we never know our expiration date. And I say, yeah, you're right. Every day's a gift. We don't know what the next day is going to bring. And she says, here's why we don't know. She says, when you're in a grocery store, you look on a package and you see the expiration date, right? She says, our expiration date is on our backside and we can't see it. <laughs> I thought that was a good analogy. And I said, you know, you're absolutely right. That's why Paul later on in Romans says, today is the day of salvation. God is here. The Lord Jesus is here. And he's saying today, don't wait any longer. Consider these things. Revelation says that we're going to be reunited at the wedding supper of the Lamb and the church. That's a promise. And listen, every day is another day closer to, to Jesus returning. And if you don't think he's coming, I feel sorry for you. Just as sure as the first time he came, he's coming again. And at that point, we're going to have a banquet when he takes us up into heaven. I already put in my order for lasagna. 
gonna see if it could be my wife's. It'd be tough to do that. But we will see, for those of us who know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we will see Anthony again. And he's gonna be waiting for us. And the last thing I think he would want me to say is this. There's no more pain or suffering. There's no more tears. That heaven is a beautiful place because Jesus is there. And he would say, listen, live life. God made a beautiful creation. We can enjoy it. They love traveling. They saw what God's fingerprint was. But see, with my brother, he saw God everywhere because he has a personal relationship with him through Christ. Do you remember when um, in the Gospels where Lazarus died and Jesus delayed in coming to Lazarus and he was buried, came three days later and um, one of Lazarus' sisters says, you know, Lord, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe that? And she says, yes, Lord, I do. And then he called, he called Lazarus forth from the grave. Jesus said to Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Would you consider those things? He was a great man. But he served a great Savior. He would have laid down his life for his wife, his stepchildren, for me, and for you. But Jesus died for all of us. I'm going to ask the praise team to come up, please. The song we're going to close, uh, well, there's two songs we're going to close with. The first one's called Shout to the Lord. And the premise of the song is that all God's promises come, come true in Christ. That is, my brother now realized the promise of eternal life because of his faith in Christ. We could shout to the Lord for that promise. Not only that, we will miss him. Heaven knows, I, I, I'm not going to have anybody argue with now. But here's his legacy. And there's many people here that he's touched who weren't able to be here today. It wasn't money. It wasn't fame. It wasn't any of those things. It was his love for people because Jesus loved him.
Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. My comfort, my shelter, tower of refuge and strength, let every breath, all that I am, never cease to worship you. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing, power and majesty, praise to the King. Bow down and the seas will roll at the sound of your name. I sing for joy at the work of your hands. Forever I'll love you, forever I'll stand. Nothing compares to the promise I have. Jesus, my Savior, for there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. My comfort, my shelter, tower of refuge and strength, let every breath all that I am never cease to worship you. Shout to the Lord of the earth, let us sing. Power and majesty, praise to the King. Mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your Sing for joy at the work of your hands. Forever I'll love you, forever I'll stand. Nothing compares to the promise I have in you. Shout to the Lord of the earth, let us sing. Power and majesty, praise to the King. Mountains fell down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name. I sing for joy at the work of your hands. Forever I'll love you, forever I'll stand. Nothing compares to the promise I have.
I want to thank all who have come out today on behalf of Gloria, the family. Uh, your presence here means a lot to us, and thank you for that. I will miss him. I will miss him very much. As the benediction, I chose this verse in Numbers because I think this is uh, what my brother would, would be saying if he was here. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. What a great benediction. 
don't worry about my brother. He's in a good place. He's in a good place. Let's keep the memories. And let's keep the legacy. And let's look at his example of loving Jesus and loving his word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. I pray your blessing on everyone here. Father, I pray that um, as we leave this place, you would comfort us. You would help us, Father, through this time of mourning. And Father, we'll be careful to give you all the glory. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming.